Elvis, 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 Happy New Year, and welcome back to Elvis has left the movies. It's that podcast where me, Matt, and my co-host Morgan, we talk about all of Elvis's 31 movies for some reason, and we're almost done. We're almost done. We've lost some pieces of ourselves in the process that we can never regain, and we're doing it all for you guys, the audience. So we hope you appreciate it. <laughs> Let us know in the comments. <laughs> We're back with Charo, another cowboy rootin' shootin' tootin' movie, and uh, it's bad. It's not very good. I think it's bland. I won't say specifically bad. It's just, it's a very basic Western. Yeah, I'm going to say bad because that brother's performance, so there's Elvis, the bad guy, and the bad guy's brother, and that brother's performance drives me insane. He's like that's that means he did a good job. I know. This is what I'm saying. So in the movie, I can't stand listening or watching him because he's just so freaking irritating, which is a really good like summary of how a really psychotic person would probably act in a western. So I'm glad that he was able to fulfill that role, but it's still bad. Like it's awful to watch. There's times when I was watching this movie through the first time that when he would show up on the screen and say something, I'd just go, ugh. Like, I'd rub my eyes, and I'd just, like, it's awful. <laughs> I'm crazy. Like, that, he literally speaks like that. He's like, I'm a crazy person. Mm-hmm. I'm a wild. He's it's got, like, like, Joker energy. He's yeah, he's, Joker. that's what it is. He's He doesn't know what movie he's in. That's what it is. He doesn't realize he's in an Elvis movie, you know? He didn't understand the assignment, I think is, is the, yeah. the classic saying. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, I think he was trying to liven things up because Elvis is fine, but he's very just like, you know. Yeah. We'll get into it when we talk about like the origins of this. This was originally supposed to be a Clint Eastwood movie. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. If you watch this movie with that lens, you're like, this is Elvis doing a Clint Eastwood Clint thing. Clint Eastwood movie. Which is like, <laughs> all right. Very interesting. It doesn't quite go, right? Like, No. It's a shame because like, Elvis is not necessarily the worst actor. He really isn't. You know, he can sometimes really pull through. But the environments that he's placed in are just not ones where he, I don't think, has the time or the capacity to really go all in. Mm-hmm. And I think like now that we're at the later stages of these movies, we're starting to see... Just the performance from all ends is starting to peter off, which is kind of like actually depressing to watch. Yes, especially since he's by this point, he's lost the energy to really go for it. Yeah. But in these last few projects, they're the only ones that are like trying to do different things. Yeah. If he hadn't done so many formula movies, if they could have thrown in one of these in between some of those like formula movies, maybe it would have helped. Yeah, he probably would have lasted longer. But they were all the same. Yeah. There's so many things that they could have done differently that they didn't do differently and that's why we have to watch what we have to watch Mm -hmm. and it's important to like we know by this point that elvis is dissatisfied as much as the the audience is like yes there's no way that elvis is happy to be doing a, a motion picture from general what is it called oh yeah we'll talk about okay let's let's talk about the studio real quick we'll go on a little yeah so actually yeah this is Oh, wait, actually, before I forget, I want to mention 
we start up a little a late in the year, you know, it's okay. I, yeah. I take full responsibility since I took all of December off. I'm like, just gonna not do anything. And of course, we yeah. didn't have enough back. It's gonna happen. It yeah. happens. It's fine. Um, it's fine. We're back you now. Like so it. just, Get it's all good. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's important to note too that you might find these last couple episodes are maybe a little more spaced out than usual. Sure. We'll see what happens. Yes. I'm thinking yeah. if it comes down to it, the maybe it'll be every other week i mean we've only got a few to yeah. go so it's really not yeah you guys can wait yeah. okay yeah I think you you've can got wait the patience. You, can, you know go go and watch all 31 movies by yourself if you, <laughs> you know you'll have the time like <laughs> you don't gotta wait for us you know i mean last I just, friday <laughs> i sent out I, I tweeted out like we're not ready yet we haven't recorded the episode but if you still want to watch charo and i sent out those links because you can stream <laughs> it for free <laughs> yeah we don't recommend it <laughs> but you can I may be recommended. Yeah. I'll say I this. I, I watched it over the break. I watched two movies over the break. Yeah. I watched this one and I watched the next one. We're going to do The Trouble with Girls. Is it worse? The Trouble with Girls is more interesting. Okay. It's more of a mess. Okay. Because it's trying to do more things. Right. And that's the one that's based off of that actually substantial novel that I read as well over the yes, break. Yes. Yeah. I take some uh, <laughs> interesting liberties with the source material. And yeah, there's some weird yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Suffice to say, I watched both of them with my mom, and she she was falling asleep while watching Chara. Oh, no. That actually happened to me. The first watch through, like, at the time that they got where they're, like, starting to blow up the town and shit, I kept having to, like, ugh, get up out of my beanbag chair and be like, okay, I gotta watch the movie. I gotta watch the movie. Yeah. I didn't actually remember that I watched it. So I put it on today and I was like, I'm pretty sure I haven't seen this. And then Chris, who sits in the living room with me because that's where his studio setup is, he turned to me and he's like, haven't you already watched this? And I'm like, I don't think so. And Chris was like, yeah, I recognize the opening theme song. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what happens. And Chris is like, this is the one with the big gun and they shoot up the town and they have a crazy brother. And I'm like, oh, uh, I have seen this. Okay, I remember now. <laughs> yes. That's how forgettable this movie is. <laughs> it's like 98 minutes and it definitely should have been under 90. There's yeah, for sure. I when it, I, I skimmed through it again last night, and I have watched it not too long ago, and I forgot about that whole mini like subplot that comes in where the little army comes into town looking for the gun, and then yeah, he leads them to the river and then ambushes them. Yeah, what the heck was the point of that? <laughs> like it was just this no. small thing that doesn't have anything to do with anything. Anyways, no, nothing. What no. I wanted to say. Yeah, we're getting back into the feel of things. So it's rambling, yeah. rambling. But it's, that's how it goes. <laughs> that's how we do. So yeah, Elvis's birthday was on Saturday the 8th. Yes. And we didn't yeah. do anything for that. I just kind of did a happy birthday tweet. But this is something, at least, is that when this goes out on this Friday the 21st, that is the anniversary of Colonel Tom Parker's death. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's excellent. We should have a party. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I guess that's in poor taste for some people. So it will be at least on some thing. Yeah. And I mentioned this to Morgan earlier, like last Saturday. Yeah. That Colonel Tom Parker died in 1997 at the age of 87, which is the exact age that Elvis would be if he were still alive if today and had, lived, had his yeah. birthday. Sucks, man. Yeah. Sucks. Just ain't right. It should have been Tom. Should have been Tom on the toilet, you know. Then we could have all laughed at his expense instead of Elvis's. But no, it wasn't like that. Anyways. Tell us about this weird studio that made this movie. This movie is Charo with an exclamation point. Don't forget that exclamation point (laughs) because this is exciting. Or maybe they were trying to compensate. Who knows? Who knows? This came out March 12th, 1969. And the studio is National General Pictures. (laughs) Why? So... National yeah, General Pictures is a division of National General Corporation. Okay. They were a theater chain. Oh. 
and a holding company that did film distribution and they were also they also had like an arm that did film production so they made their own things they were only in operation or actually the theater chain was in operation between 1951 and 1974 Mm -hmm. and their film division started up in 1967 and lasted until 1973 so it's like a short little window where they're that was a really hard time for movie studios especially a lot of independent studios studios trying to like compete with the big boys that's yeah it was a really tough time like i wonder sometimes maybe people don't know this in the audience if you're listening but like the change that happened to film and movie studios specifically between the 60s and the 70s was so enormous that it completely reshaped the way we framed and film stuff in media mm-hmm. that's how like enormous it was the hollywood new wave is showing up and all these like yeah. young auteur directors are doing all kinds of weird stuff and that's what people want now. <laughs> yeah. They just got back from Nam. They don't want to watch Elvis movies. They mm. want to watch people have a mental breakdown on screen, you know? <laughs> so that's the background to this thing. Do we want to get into the one song? <laughs> this is going to be the easiest, <laughs> easiest thing ever. Yeah, it's let's do it. A title track. The wait, title wait, wait, track wait, 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 wait. Of... First, you're yep. supposed to ask me how many songs there have been in okay. the movie. Okay. <laughs> how many songs are in this movie, Morgan? Take a guess. Wow. <laughs> Nailed it. Oh, here's a question, though. How many songs do yeah. you think were originally supposed to be in the movie? Mm, three. Two. Oh. They had one song that was apparently written and, and was uh, cut. Although, if you want to be technical, they, they played the can-can in that one scene with the showgirls, and that's True. a song. <laughs> that's a license. Yeah, well, not a license, so. but a, it's a public domain kind of thing. Yeah, it's public domain, yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, what do you think? Of yeah, the, yeah, it's bad. It's not a good song. <laughs> I, all right. I, I know I as far as like a spaghetti western style opening. Yeah, it sounds absolutely. Great, I that's think. that's exactly what I was gonna say. For for what it is, for what it is, it nails it. But I don't want to listen to it ever again. <laughs> okay. I kind of like it. Twice was enough. Yeah, you would. It's I, very cowboy. It does have that like sure. cowboy aesthetic, which is charming. But you know, when I'm listening to Elvis, my immediate response is not to be like. That means you have like... a very narrow view of Elvis. I think <laughs> you got to broaden your horizons, like the the wide open plains of the West. The fuck I do, man. Jeez, <laughs> no way. So yeah, just the one song plays over the yeah, titles. One song. I want to say uh, a cool thing. I like a little filmmaking bit that's kind of cool yep is the opening credits are pretty cool again once again they're very graphic yeah they're not the bad red. they're really interesting yeah. um but the, the the screen starts and it's very wide it's like a like a cinema scope like really wide mm-hmm. screen and then when he kind of starts riding into town it you see the the picture like the black bars at the top and bottom they like they like open up oh to a more standard kind of movie aspect ratio oh interesting and then at the end when he rides off it like it goes back it goes back again oh okay so that's a nice oh, little touch. That's interesting. Yeah. It's very subtle. I didn't notice it until I double check it. Maybe that's a good transition into... Oh, wait, actually. So the song that wasn't used was a song called Let's Forget About the Stars, which ended up getting released on a little mini album called Let's Be Friends in 1970. Hmm. According to the internet, this is erroneously claimed to be a song that was cut from Change of Habit, but no, it was cut from Charo. I see. We're setting the record straight as far as okay. I know from my yeah. research. <laughs> So um, what's next? Alternate titles. Okay. Uh, let me guess. Um, Dusty and the Busters bust up the town. No? There are two that were going to be maybe alternate names for Elvis's character because their names as the title. Big Gun Little Habit. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're really dumb. 
Oh, oh God, more dumb than what I just said? Well, okay, one of them was going to be Jack Valentine. Okay. And the other one was going to be Johnny Hang. So none of these names mean anything. No, of course. Who the the fuck's Charo, by the way? Okay, well, Charo is Spanish (laughs) for like horseman or cowboy. That is so dumb. You saying that the Spanish language is dumb? (laughs) No, I'm saying that using the Spanish word for cowboy for this movie is dumb. I mean, it takes place near Mexico and they're dealing with like... Yeah, but there's like way cooler things that they could have done. Okay, well then maybe you would like, here's the third alternate title, which is actually kind of a cool spaghetti western-y title. Yeah. Come sundown, come hell. Um, Or... Come hell, come sundown. They kind of like were flipping flopping between those two. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes more sense, I think, than cowboy. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Charo. Cowboy. Like, when you say it like that, you're like, hmm, okay. All right, what's next? We got the alternate titles. We got the hidden track list. We talked about the studio. Yes. We're going to talk about the actors? Well, let's talk about the director. Okay. This Who is, is a. Yeah, th- this is, there's only one person, I think, in this that has been involved in any previous Elvis movie. This is a very, like, isolated, his own thing, you know? Yeah, it seems there's like it. No overlap. So the director is Charles Marcus Warren. Uh-huh. It's a lot of first names for a guy. It's a triple whammy. Yeah. He did a lot of and Westerns. so nice they named him thrice. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he did, he <laughs> did, did a lot of Westerns. Mostly everyone involved in this movie has done like Westerns. There's a lot of yeah. Western people involved. That's well, a shame because it's not a very good Western movie, no. is it? I think, well, that's, yeah. I think <laughs> there was an oversaturation. Mm. Like the things that Elvis has done has been like musicals and or music movies and like yeah. Westerns that are also musicals. Like there's just too much of it. Yeah, it's and true. And so there's, they, they're just it's all the same at a certain point because what, what new story can you tell after? So many. Yeah, it's true. It's a strange time too to pick a Western movie, isn't it? Aren't Western movies by this time like starting to peter out? They're starting to peter out, or they're becoming like revisionist westerns, where you start getting right. more. And apparently, in the original stages, Elvis was very excited because the script for the, the original script for this movie was like way more hardcore and like violent and like cool. <laughs> but yeah. apparently, he gets to the first day on set, and they completely like page one rewrite, and they just oh man, that sucks. I read that the novelization of this takes more from the original script, so maybe I'll have to track down, add another book to my collection, <laughs> because I'm I'm really curious yeah. now. I want to see like this more like gnarly version of this movie. <laughs> I would love to see Elvis like all bloodied up and <laughs> shooting bad guys and stuff. I Ooh. bet there's a torture scene. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's Jailhouse Rock all over again. He's gonna whip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they take him out and they whip him again. <laughs> Uh, oh, it hurts. So oh. before we move on, speaking of Elvis, his appearance, he's got a beard. Yeah. It's not great. <laughs> it's not very good. It's different. I like the, the posters touted too. I They're like, like that it's different. A I different like kind different. of Presley. That was like the big like yeah. taglines on the posters. I mean, I do like that it's different, but it doesn't. I remember on my first watch through, I remember thinking, this isn't right <laughs> because you can and i know that it's a cheap movie and that it's made with a low budget but that beard just looks awful doesn't it like you can tell he did not grow that out and if he did grow that out i feel so bad for him because that beard looks awful well and i, I just, have bad news that that's that's, that's his, his beard. real beard yeah. well there's a good reason he shaves his face i guess jeez because <laughs> that beard's real ugly it's just like real patchy i really thought it was like makeup 
that it was just a bad makeup job that they were like, no. oh, geez, you got to put a beard on Elvis. You know, what, what are we going to do? Oh, I guess we'll just stick some shit to it. <laughs> Anyways, I can dip into some trivia. This is the thing I read. This is the weirdest thing I read, but maybe, who knows? It could be true. It was that he was a little like hesitant to like grow out whatever beard or, or wear kind of a beard in this movie. Yeah, I can see why. <laughs> and so allegedly, the majority of his co-stars and even Tom Parker himself grew out beards to make him feel more at ease. This is Aww, what I read. That would be really cute. That would be really nice. So let's let's assume that would that, be that's the true. one nice thing that <laughs> Carnal Parker ever did for Elvis. <laughs> Let's hope it's true. Let's believe in it. I also want to point out, they say this is the only yeah. movie that he has a beard, but we noted that he, he grew a little stubble in Live a Little, Love a Little. Yeah. The last movie we did. Yeah. After being sick on the couch for days there, he wakes up and he's got like a little bit of like five o'clock shadow yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, we're definitely not going to see that next time or in Change of Habit. Nope. <laughs> no more beards. Next we're, getting, next, we're getting the lamb chops. We're getting the big old sideburns next. Yeah, it's all of the, the hair that the was time. all the, the hair he grew out on his, yeah. his chin. They it took like, it off it, like, and they put it, it moved onto his sides. <laughs> up to his That's my sideburns. honestly, that's one of my favorite fashion things that happened in the seventies was dudes were just like, I want big sideburns. Chunky. I want big sideburns. <laughs> I want a big and thick. I want to look manly with my sideburns. It's like, whoa. Yes. Yeah, it's crazy. So let's we're jumping around. Let me go back to Charles Marcus Warren. I didn't mention what he's done. I said he's done some westerns. He did a 1955 western called Seven Angry Men, which actually came out two years before 12 Angry Men, the more famous <laughs> Angry Men title. Interesting. And that movie starred Raymond Massey, but co-starred Deborah Padgett. I don't know who that is, Matt. That was the very first Elvis co-star lady. Oh. She was in Love Me Tender. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, I don't remember names. Well, that's fine. Okay. It's been a while since we did an episode, yeah. even more so than usual. So like, yeah. I can let most of this slide. I I can't name you a single Elvis girl. I literally can't. Here, look, I'll try. Um, uh, Julie Parker. No. No. Uh, Deborah Wilde. No. You're just making up names. You're just trying. <laughs> you're hoping that you can come up with something generic enough. Well, though. there's 31 of them. Like, you know, something's got to stick. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, Lucy Sinatra or whatever her first name was. <laughs> oh, so close. But no. What's her first name? Tell me. I don't know. <laughs> Nancy Sinatra. Nancy. I was close. Lucy was really close, guys. You had the C part at the end. Yeah. Close enough. Yes. Wait. Sorry. Before I lose my thread that I had. Uh. Yeah. So we, I said Love Me Tender. It was his first, so this is his, let me, if I'm worst thinking. Worst film. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> Stay no, away, that, Joe, was his worst film. <laughs> yeah. By a large margin. No. Yeah. I think this is his third Western. Yeah. If I'm thinking Love Me Tender, Flaming Star, and this. Isn't there one more? Isn't there another one after Love Me Tender? I, no, there isn't. I don't think so. Oh, no, okay. I'm going to say only three Westerns. There's one where he plays a, a cow, like a, a rodeo guy. But that's not really a Western movie. No, that was Tickle Me, and yeah. he's just like... He just rides a horse. That movie takes... That's the one that turns into a damn Scooby-Doo episode, so like... Yeah. Fucking weird movie, man. He has a cowboy hat. That's as close as we get. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so three Westerns. So between Love Me Tender, Flaming Star, yeah. and this one, which one? Which one's the worst? Let's rank them. Um, I know you'll say Flaming Star at the bottom, and that's fine. I think so, yeah. I think I'm going to put Flaming Star at the bottom, because at least in this one, they were picking on, like, even when, like, the Mexicans have arrived, they weren't being, like, super mean, you know? They were just like, it's just the Mexican police, and they're going to get us, so we're going to blow them up, or whatever. Like, Flaming Star, they were like, little knight of red blood 
your half-breed yuck 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 yeah it's too much so bottom for me flaming star charo i think is going to be the second worst so love me tender is your favorite yeah it's the best out of the three because it's rough like it, it is a rough production but you can tell that everybody's attitude was like kind of closer to the right mindset you know people were a little more engaged and elvis's acting was bad but it was his debut and mm -hmm. i'm inclined he was to just over eager slide. which is better than yeah. being sleepwalking through a movie i'll take yeah, over eager any day taro <laughs> yeah so yeah the acting in charo is really bad too like it's also i think all things considered love me tender still looks the best like it had the black and white cinematography and i remember like it's really well yeah. shot the blocking and it, i remember great. yeah there's a lot of blocking that was really good there were some things that are worse in that one because it's a it seemed to be it seemed to have less budget I think than these other two movies but even with that lower budget it's still better i think than the other two movies sure it's a really great example for film students to understand why throwing more money at a problem doesn't make it disappear <laughs> just makes it a shinier turd mm -hmm. yeah what about you um i'll agree with you for now yeah. Smart. <laughs> rather than try to like because <laughs> then i don't have to think about it more. yeah <laughs> like yeah it's just good enough i don't have the same hatred for flaming star but i can also I not enjoy it. flaming star because yeah <laughs> those are there and you can't really ignore it in the great words of peter draws all you listen the world is a big place a lot of things are scary and you don't have time to make decisions about what you think is good so just listen to everything we say <laughs> and use that as your own opinion <laughs> Peter Draws. It's an art YouTuber. He, he's just an artist and he does a lot of fantastic videos. I oh, so his last recommend. name isn't literally Draws. No, no, okay. no. I don't think so. That'd be but, uh, pretty crazy to He watch. hosts a really great video series, not anymore, a long time ago, but you can still find it on YouTube called What I Think About Modern Art. Mm. And it is just a pure joy. Even if you don't like modern art, it's just a pure joy to watch this man articulate his thoughts on art he's it's very funny but it's a very specific type of humor that you don't see anymore those are my favorite kind of things is when someone and it's, it's, a, it's, it's their a, personality yeah it's, it's an just, interest it's their character or it's it's is like a, so a subject that i have no opinions or, or thoughts about but they're so passionate about it that like yeah i could just listen to them for hours yeah what are we talking about now <laughs> uh we did the director we continue with the crew, but I kind of wanted to jump back to the synopsis because I was saying before we started sure. recording, I was like, this is kind of a nice movie to start a fresh year off on because it's it's very simple. Yeah, let's do it. So the synopsis from IMDb says Vince Hackett's gang steals a prized victory cannon from Mexico and blames the deed on ex-gang member Jess Wade, who wants to go straight. And then we can also transition into Jess Wade is Elvis's character's name. Yes. Yeah. So the synopsis of the movie is essentially bad guy have big gun. Good guy says, no, bad guy, I have your brother. And then the bad guy says, no, give me back my brother. I have a big gun. I'm going to blow up and the Elvis, town. I'm going to blow it up. I'm going to blow it up. And Elvis says, no, stop it, bad guy. Don't shoot me with the big gun. <laughs> and then they make out. Then they kiss. And this is the point where the you fell asleep and your mind took over. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this movie's pretty good, actually. Yeah, it's pretty good. Ooh, <laughs> cowboys. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, there's a thing where, like, they set Elvis up by saying they, they stole this cannon. And as they were getting away, one of their gang members was shot. And it, it got grazed in the neck by a bullet. And he ended up dying yeah. from the wound. And they buried him out. And then they 
they brand Elvis's neck to make him seem like that because that's the only thing the police have to go on. He's got a wound on his neck. Yeah. I mean, it was the old West. They didn't really have, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's all you can go on. And so he puts on a little ascot, and then every they're watching they're like, "Show me your neck," and they're like, oh, "How do you explain this?" He's like, "Just trust me, I didn't do it." <laughs> yeah, it's really great. Uh, it is what it is. Yeah, and what it is is trash. <laughs> so we're gonna get it. All right, who's in this movie? Well, okay, let's we'll we'll get to the people after I finish just doing the cinematographer and the writers. Okay, that's all, all we right. have left for people. Cinematographer. So the cinematographer is named Ellsworth Fredericks. Wow, that's fancy. Is he British? I don't know. Oh my God, you don't know, Matt. What are we paying you for? All this research, all these notes, and you don't even know if this man is American? Disgraceful. You get paid? <laughs> <laughs> How come I'm not seeing anyone? Uh, uh, what, what else did he do? Is he like... So the year cool? before this, he did a movie, 1968's The Power, yeah? which I actually mentioned a while back oh, because... yeah. Uh, Beverly Powers, a.k.a. Miss Beverly Hills, is in it in a small scene. And I talked about it just saying that it was like about these research scientists and they do like a test on like psychic abilities mm -hmm. and they get results. But it was it was anonymous. So one of them within the group has psychic powers. Oh, cool. And then the guy who ran the test is killed psychically. Ooh. And they're like, oh, crap. He's trying to cover his tracks and stuff. And then... I remember in that episode, you're like, oh, have you seen this? And I said, no. And you're like, well, you should. And I was like, maybe I will. And then I did later. So I've seen this oh, movie. Oh, I see. Okay. It was pretty good. Yeah? It was interesting. Just some little twists and turns. Cool concept. It's, yeah. it's like a, it technically falls under the purview of a tech noir. Because it's, it's like a noir, but with right. like sci-fi elements. So like uh, Solaris. Yeah. The original Solaris is, is a noir movie, essentially. But it's also a sci-fi movie. Mm -hmm. It's like a... A weird mix it's a slow burn mm -hmm. good movie to do drugs too no it's true in like stoner culture there's a certain set of movies mm -hmm. that are like prime time you know everybody says um 2001 a space 2001 a space odyssey obviously but also the one with jesus and the egg and he's pooping something mountain you know what i'm talking about the holy mountain the holy mountain is another one yeah i've and, waited um, once again i <laughs> this is a special gift you have to describe a movie in the way I've never heard it described, but at the same time, I'm like, it's not <laughs> inaccurate, I guess. <laughs> it's true, man. And then uh, Solaris is one of the other ones. Solaris is, is on there. And then, of course, the um, the classic, listen to the Pink Floyd album while watching Wizard of Oz, which I've done before. Mm -hmm. It's boring. So, you know. Thank you. Take an for, extra for dose that. before committing yeah that report from the from our correspondent from side, uh, correspondent man. on the scene has just <laughs> thank you for that hello my name is morgan i'm out here in the field and i'm high <laughs> as shit today we're gonna watch solaris <laughs> sorry the 1968's um, the power is cool yeah briefly i just want to mention the strongest elements that work in that movie is that so george hamilton is the the main character mm-hmm and he starts getting like messed with by whoever has the psychic powers. Yeah. So there's a cool scene where he's at a crosswalk and it's, the light is blinking like, don't walk, don't walk. And then it right. switches to saying like, don't run, don't run. And he starts seeing like, he's like walking by like a toy shop and all the doll heads like turn to look at him. Oh, that's so cool. But it's not actually happening. It's the person is like making it look like he's giving him yeah. weird visions. And then he like runs into a carnival. So like it starts getting like crazy trippy and he's looking in like <laughs> funhouse mirrors. It was kind of fun. the carnival. Yes. Yeah, I really, I really do have a soft spot in my heart for psychic based movies. Mm -hmm. Movies where people like can control things with their mind pyro especially like pyrokinetic i'm really mm. into pyrokinetic as a subgenre of psychokinesis movies i really like witch hunter robin 
it's not a great anime. It didn't hold up, but it the concept is so cool. I just I'm really really into people that can control fire with their brain. I don't know. That's just my thing. I was once convinced I was going to draw a comic about it. Had little characters and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I didn't because I'm lazy. Instead, well, maybe one day I'd like to watch 31 <laughs> Elvis movies. <laughs> He also was the cinematographer on Seven Angry Men, which is, so he's worked with Charles Marcus Warren before. I see. That was 1955. And then the year after that, in 1956, he was a cinematographer on the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh, cool. Kind of an interesting repertoire of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we did the cinematographer. Yes. Next is the, the people Writers. who were responsible for writing. Yeah. So this is, there's a story by credit for Frederick Lewis Fox, mm-hmm. another three name, yeah. except not like. Three first names. Yeah, Fox isn't really yeah. a name. Yeah. It's an animal. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> he did So what did he Yeah, what did he do? He did a lot of that was his thing. He was a lot, he was a story by kind of dude. He would he would do like pitches right. and concepts. And he did the story he has the story by credit for a Western Twilight Zone episode. Oh. Season three, episode twenties, Showdown with Rance McGrew. Now, I feel like I've actually might have seen that one. Can you refresh my memory? Do you remember what happens in that one? It's about the star of a TV Western who thinks he's hot shit. Right. Who gets transported back in time to the actual Wild West and he has to go up against Jesse James. Yeah, I remember that. Cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. So actually, yeah, it's not even, it doesn't say story by, it says based on an idea by Frederick Lewis Fox. Oh, geez, yeah. this poor guy. He's, he's an idea man. He's I an mean, idea man. Not, not, so. not really a poor guy. Like if you can get paid for being oh, like, sure. what if the cowboy went back in time? Yeah. And you get paid for that. That's a pretty good deal, to be honest. That's honestly, that's better than being a writer. You probably don't get, Shit, you won't honestly, get the big bucks. but what I should do with, with my life because all I ever seem to do is make <laughs> up cool ideas for comics and then I never feckin' do them and I don't get paid for shit. Maybe I should just go pitch my ideas to some student and be like here just make it back <laughs> do it more and just sell out just sell out. I w- man listen <laughs> if you guys in the in the freaking comment section don't know i'm ready okay i oh, was yeah. born to sell out so y'all can make your jokes but as soon as the big fat man comes down with that check i'm gonna sign my name so quick you would know what for man I'm so I, I want to be the next Jim Davis. I want to sell out so hard Ooh, that the internet makes memes about me for decades. Okay, that's what I want. God, <laughs> so um, badly. And then the actual screenplay was written by. Oh, hey, look, it's this guy again, Charles Marcus Warren. <laughs> he wrote it and he directed it. Ah, <laughs> oh, but I have a sp- talented I, guy. Yes, for three uh, people I, in a suit. <laughs> <laughs> so I have it. Marcus he, did the writing. Warren did the directing. And under his his the other writing guy credits, just sit around and watched. <laughs> his writing career Sorry, was as long, if not, I think he has more writing credits than directing credits, even actually. Yeah. But Could he be. developed the TV show Gunsmoke. What's that? That is it held the record is it the for a long. Flying nuns of Western Western. Why show? Why did you bring it up? <laughs> why would you do that? I'm trying to face my fears. <laughs> yeah, I guess you didn't freak out, so maybe it worked. Yeah. Maybe this Are this time talk? off has. It, yeah. It's just, I don't like to be surprised by it. Okay. You know, when the flying nun arrives, you know, I hope she walks in through the door and not bursts in through the window. You know, that makes it a little more, I can chew that over, right? But gun smoke. How would you, how would you feel? Go ahead. To answer your question, <laughs> I'm shocked you did. Well, it's, it's an old show, but it was for a, a time the longest running show. Like it had the record. Oh, really? It lasted for 20 seasons 635 episodes oh damn between 55 and 75 that's a lot 
That's a lot of seasons. Yeah. The Simpsons has like what twenty one. No, no, no. They're it? in the thirties now. They're 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 way past. Oh, oh like, shit! No one's oh, gonna pe- catch up to them because they'll just go on. Are they? Are the Simpsons still going? Mm-hmm. Holy Jesus! I haven't watched in a while. All I know is that I've listened. Um, Julie Kavner, who does the voice of Marge, yeah, she sounds rough these days. Oh, does she? she you can you can hear the age, unfortunately. Oh, that's and it's really sad. sad. <laughs> it's really depressing. But you know, I mean, it's sad, but also like. I kind of hope that's how I go out, you know? I hope one day somebody, like, bursts into my room in my studio and they're like, Jesus fucking Christ, this poor elderly woman is, like, just bent over her desk, like, utterly decaying over her work that's so messed up. I'd be like, yes, my dream has finally come true. I literally want to be found, like, at my, in my studio at my desk, dead from, like, a heart attack or something. Like, working on a comic page... <laughs> And it's just like a blot of ink where I had my heart attack and died. That's how I want to go. <laughs> so, you know, that's for some people, that's the dream, right? We should so all be so lucky. such a yes. bad thing. Yeah, we should all be so lucky to do what we love for the rest of our life until we die. I hope she likes it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure. Can you imagine if she was contractually obligated. Uh, the pay is good. Her death. <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh, he also, the year before this, 1968, he co-wrote a Western called Day of the Evil Gun. It's a pretty good time. <laughs> That's great. Okay, let, we can now move on to the people. Okay. Before I get into him, is well, I know you you said your thoughts about Billy Roy. Yeah. Who's just really going for yeah. it. Yeah. But what did you think of any of the other people in this? I liked the, um. okay, so there's Elvis and then there's the bad guy. And I liked the bad guy. I liked him more on second viewing because I had just, I've recently watched Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and the bad guy really, really reminds me of the the washed up actor playing the bad guy in that cowboy movie. Like they look visually similar mm. and they remind me. I was like, gosh, it's like it's the same person. So I don't know. There was something about his like the cut of his jib that I was like, he No, I think he's he he he's doing it the right tone. He's got the yeah. right amount. Yeah, going. not too much, not too little. We're going to do the ladies first. Okay. So there's three prominent enough, not too prominent, but like there's three female there's roles. There's the wife of the sheriff. There's the lady in the green dress who's like Elvis's girlfriend, but she used to be the bad guy's girlfriend. And then there's the blonde chick who's like the prettiest gal in the whole wide world and everybody likes her and she's so pretty and blah, 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 blah. So let's start with Miss Tracy Winters, okay. who is Elvis's or Jess's old flame. Old flame, yeah. She's played by Ina Ballin, mm-hmm. who had done a bunch of stuff. I had seen her, small tangent here, because of my heavy interest in like the first and final films of actors right. that I did some research for forever ago. Yeah. So she was in the final film that featured Peter Lorre. Oh, I know Peter Laurie. He's from Casablanca. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that guy. The one who goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes like, yeah, yeah. Rick, Rick, please. Yeah. No. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, cool. I finally recognized someone. Yay. <laughs> no, Peter Laurie is great. And his final film was a Jerry Lewis comedy from 1964 called The Patsy. Oh, wild. And Crazy. she's in that. And I remember being really struck by her. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, she's great. She's got a very... She's kind of an uncommon beauty, <laughs> right? She's... Um, Hollywood has an archetype for what kind of women they want in film. And she doesn't quite fit into that, like, perfect beauty visionary. You know, she's got... She looks like a 
I don't know. She looks more approachable almost. She's still very like drop dead gorgeous. Like she's a striking person, but there's like a softness to her manner, especially in this film, I felt that makes her more like doe eyed. Mm -hmm. Right. That's what I think anyway. Yeah. So that's Ina Balin. She's great. Vince Hackett, the main bad guy, is played by Victor French. He's not French before you say anything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just glad you're on top of things, you know. He was on 57 episodes of Little House on the Prairie, played Isaiah oh, Edwards. Oh, interesting. Including, uh, they did a few like TV movies after the show had run, and he reprised his role in that, Isaiah Edwards. Right. He had a small role in the 1969 Western, the, the same year as this, Death of a Gunfighter. Hmm. And he played the character of Ketchum in Real Lobo with John Wayne in 1970. Huh. So yes, a lot of Westerns. So he's, a, he's a bit of a cowboy man, yeah. Sure. He's got that, he's got the look, he's got it. Yeah. So his his brother, Billy Roy Hackett. Oh my God. Is played who, by. Who is this guy? Yeah. So his name is Solomon Sturges. And Any relation to. Director Preston Sturges? Yes. That's what I was about to say, actually. <laughs> For real? <laughs> no, for real. Because that's the more oh. noteworthy thing. Like, he's done bits and pieces. He was actually in season one, episode 26 of Gidget. Right. The TV show about the lady and she's... Yes, played by Sally Field. The other yeah. Sally Field show. Yeah. In 1966. And he also had the bit part of Danny, also in 1966, in the movie Wild Wild Winter, which is one of those beach party movies, but it was set at like a snow resort. Right. It was a beach party, but it was in the snow. Which I, I watched one of those over the break. I watched Winter yeah. Agogo from 1965. Yeah. It's pretty much exactly what I expected. It's, it's very silly. Okay. <laughs> they like inherit a chalet and they try to like turn it into a cool club for all the swinging teens to do go-go dancing. And there's some bands playing themselves that oh perform. Gosh. And they just, a lot of skiing footage, right? You know, it's so interesting to like see just like the different things that we made for the youth, you know? Like media... I, th I feel like it started in the 60s with these go-go movies and how it's been transforming each year, each decade into something new. Like now we make films instead of go-go dancers, we use like famous YouTubers and TikToks, TikTokers, mm -hmm. people or whatever they're called. Right. There's that Kissing Booth series. Oh, yeah. The um, Netflix stuff. <laughs> all, all, yeah. Th those things. Right. And they're so bad. Like, ugh, it's just mm weird. It's weird to see. How it just change. shows that as much as things change, they really stay the same. It's, it's the cultures. They really do. Is exactly as it was, really, in many ways. Yeah. In it's most just a ways. Different coat of paint. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not going to get into that. Um, okay. Is that it for Billy Mc? Whatever the heck his name is. Solomon Sturges. I need to talk about his dad because. Okay. Preston Sturges is super legit. Okay. He's really interesting because before he hit the scene, there were some directors that were also writers. Mm -hmm. Most famously, uh, Charlie Chaplin wrote and directed and Frank Capra as well, who did like It's a Wonderful yeah. Life and stuff. But he was the first one that really started as a screenwriter and then started directing his own scripts. And that wasn't a thing. Like those used to be separate roles. Right. So the stuff he's most famous for, he won the Oscar for best screenplay for 1940s, The Great McGinty. But then he subsequently did in 1941, the next year, he released both The Lady Eve and Sullivan's Travels, which are both like classics now. Hmm. That's all I have to say about him. It's just oh, like, okay. this guy's got a cool dad and, you know. Yeah. It's nepotism. Who knows? Whatever. Well, probably Hollywood. some of that, right? Yeah. Oh, geez. You know, I said I was going to start with the ladies and then we only did Ina Ballin and then I freaking yeah. moved. I was Because I have it written just... in a certain order. That's my bad. <laughs> That's okay. It's not a gentleman's way. Okay. So Barbara Whirl, who plays the sheriff's wife, Sarah Ramsey. Mm -hmm. She's the one who has been in previous Elvis movies. Yeah, I recognize the name Barbara Worrell. 
She was in Tickle Me, and she played Layla in Harem Scarum. Oh, no. But that's good, though, because it's good, it's good that her third go at it is the most prominent role, and, like, she gets to do actual acting. Yeah, she, yeah. It's still just <laughs> playing, like, the grieving wife, because, like, yeah. of course, the sheriff gets shot, and it's he's, like, fine. in his deathbed. But, like... It's- it's fine. It's not harem scam. That's all I have to say. Yeah, you think the bar God, right? the bar is low, man. So you know. Yeah, it's pretty low. It's pretty low. Oh, oh, this is great. Watch this. Yeah. So she was fourth build as the character of Charlie in the 1968 movie Krakatoa, East of Java. Okay. <laughs> which is the movie that's featured in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, playing at the Cinerama Dome. Oh. Because it was filmed in Cinerama, so they had like a big display, Krakatoa. Huh. And the fun fact about Krakatoa east of Java is on IMDb, the first factoid that comes up is Krakatoa is actually located west of Java. <laughs> it's like you had you had one job, guys. What the heck? One job. That's freaking hilarious. I love that. Yeah. Let's move on to Marcy, who's the, the showgirl, yeah. the blonde. She's played by Lynn Kellogg, not of yeah. Kellogg's brand. Uh, this is her first movie, isn't it? Introducing... Didn't it say that in the movie, introducing Lynn Kellogg? Yes. This was actually yeah. her first and only film. Oh, shit. She only did TV other than this, and she only had five credits overall, so wow. it was just a small little career. Mm. Um, but she, she was fine. Yeah, she was all right. She was in an episode of The Beverly Hillbillies, and she was in an episode of Mission Impossible. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to, we got to talk about Lieutenant Rivera. Yeah, he's handsome. He's not Mexican. <laughs> oh, He's bad. he's handsome, but he's yeah, he's not Mexican. He's, is he Portuguese? He's just a white guy. He's a white guy. Oh my god! I know. Why do you have to do this. This like, I know. So, it's so. What's so wrong about Mexican people that they're like? Here's, you know what? Yeah, here's the thing, though, because here's the thing. Like Flaming Star, they'll cast Mexicans as indigenous people. Yeah. And then you have a movie where they have Mexicans, and they can't even just use those same people they used. No. Because you, yeah. you, we know they're there. You use them already for that other thing. It's like you can't. Why do they hate brown people, man? I don't know. Okay. We are almost, we're getting yeah, there. Get back to it. Yeah. We were talking, the, the reason we went off on this, because we were talking about how <laughs> Tony Young, who plays Lieutenant Rivera, is definitely not yeah. Mexican. Yeah, definitely not. But he is. I mean, he's still handsome. Handsome, yes. He used, yeah, so he, he did some westerns prior to this. Both in 1964, he was the star of a movie called He Rides Tall, and he played Kent Taggart in the self-titled movie Taggart from 1964. <laughs> and he actually had a, a TV show. That was one, his big debut. It was only it lasted one season, 12 episodes, but it was a show called Gunslinger. And he was a, you know, gunslinger in that. Yeah, he was nice. the main dude. Yeah. Is that it? Yes. I think that's enough. Okay. I could technically go on, but I think we're good. Okay. I have some things to say about some fashion. Okay, go ahead. About some of the fashion. So there's a couple of interesting fashionable choices that were made. Mm-hmm. So number one... The women in this movie are the two leads that work at the brothel are prostitutes. They're dancers. So there's some couple of fashion decisions that were made that didn't line up with that. And that's fine because it is a bit of a low budget movie. But the fashion is based. It's this. I believe it's the second bustle era, which is in the 18... It's after the 50s, I think. It's like 1860s or 70s. Okay. It's, it might be 1880s. But anyway, the point is it's it's mid to late 18th century. And the reason why I want to point this out is because it makes that one bandit who's wearing a gray jacket from the Civil War era 
it's a really interesting touch to add because mm. by the time we get to the second bustle era, the Civil War, I think, had been finished, although not for a long time. So that's a really interesting choice to make that that person would keep their uniform because they're proud of it. And that tells you a lot about that character. And they didn't do that to a lot of things, but it was just really interesting. That's true. It's more thought than you'd think. I didn't it's even think about think. it, but now that you mention it, yeah, it makes Yeah, but sense. the backside to that is that a lot of these Western movies are really proud of their Southern heritage. And so a lot of the times you'll see something like that inserted and it's meant to be framed in the way that we first approached it, that it's this interesting, cool thing. But in reality, it's like, it's like glorifying it's it's semi-glorifying you know the the south's role which is a cynical move on the part of the studio to connect to the audience right just fine that's still technically like a that's what you're supposed to do with fashion there were some other decisions that were made about the the um the ladies wear that that wasn't appropriate so for instance when they're out in the town um everybody's saying good morning miss so-and-so and good morning miss yada yada they wouldn't have done that she's a prostitute so you're not supposed to interact with women of the night in the same way that you interact with good upstanding women men wouldn't you know say hi ho to you as you're walking down the street because you're below the treatment of normal society and also the blonde woman is wearing her hair semi-inappropriately the reason they were called loose women is because they would let their hair down they wouldn't keep it up in a bun so in the scene where they're out on the town together the woman with brown hair has her curls hanging down which is a more appropriate style for her character than to have it up which the blonde character has upstanding women put their hair up in buns prostitutes don't hmm. and the last thing that i want to talk about is the can can clothes that they wear they're they're not set in the appropriate time they're more of like a 50s burlesque outfit that they appropriated for the scene which is fine sure but I wanted to talk about it because one of the reasons why the can-can was such an influential dance was not because women were scantily clad about the shoulders and, and you could see their backs and stuff, but because women's underwear, undergarments, didn't exist yet. And so what they would wear was pantalons, which was two separate pant legs on a drawstring about their waist, which meant when they kicked their legs up, there was nothing to stop you from seeing the full business. Of they were giving everyone on. the basic instinct. They were giving the, the, yeah. So the reason why the can-can was so illicit is because you could see their hoo sticking out when they kicked up their legs. Um, which, of course, the outfits that they were wearing were like fishnet stockings, which wouldn't have been as per the time. They, stockings didn't exist yet essentially like stockings were just socks on your legs mm. and like fishnets and tights they didn't exist until i believe the 1920s or something like that so just some interesting things that i saw about the fashion i think also the women aren't wearing gloves when they're outside but they are wearing hats so they're supposed to wear hats no matter what and they're supposed to wear gloves women aren't supposed to go out without gloves on their hand so right. it, yeah we never you guys some interesting concept. sure no it's good yeah we never get like an exact date range but like you said there's context clues i guess the kind of yeah you can tell by 
in most movies, even when the costume design is bad, you can still pinpoint a decade, sure. which is a very small window of time. Really great movies have certain things that happen in them that you can get the exact year. And you could probably get that from this movie if you knew a little bit more about history. Like, there's something that they say about how in Mexico there's rebel fighting the government. And so that would pinpoint a specific set of years in the 1800s that you could That's true. They and, do specifically specifically state what which canon it is and which mm-hmm. which war they got it from yeah. or which battle. So that would stole. let you know exactly yeah, the time yeah. frame that they're in. And, and one of the easy ways that you can do this is that there was two... Well, it's easy, but it's also difficult. Fashion tends to do the same thing every time where a silhouette, which is to say the shape of a woman's outfit, comes back. So it goes away and then it comes back. And traditionally, what you see is a slimming down and a puffing up and then a slimming down and then a puffing up, right? So that's why there's a, there's two bustle eras. There's the first bustle era in the early 1800s, I think, and then there's the second bustle era in the late Victorian era, which is like the 1880s, I believe. And then the 1890s is the Gibson Girls, which is my favorite era. It's the beginning of the Edwardian era, mm. the gilded age of society. Yeah. Anyway, just some just some ideas. Nice, nice. Yeah. They did a good they actually did like a much better job with this than I thought they would. Like they made some aesthetic choices, you know, that are like, okay, it's not, you know, it's not historically accurate. But the cut of the silhouette and some of the the accessories like hats and gloves were pretty close to normal. And so you could make a lot of sense out of them. You could really tell it solidified kind of which era it was supposed to be from. So good job, costume. Who's the costume on this one? Not Edith. What's her face? There's one person specifically that did the men's wardrobe and one person specifically that did the ladies. They actually had separate that, costume people. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because the men's outfits are, I'm going to say they're not good. They're fine, but you can tell that whoever made the women's wardrobes were interested in keeping to a very specific era. And you could tell in the men's costumes that they took some shortcuts, not necessarily with the design, but with the fabric. Like the way things are sewn together, it looks a little bit more crafty. This is shocking. Get ready for a bombshell. Okay. The one who did the wardrobe for the ladies, she only did two movies. Oh, shit. This movie and they shoot horses, don't they? The same year. Oh, shit. Though for that work, she was apparently uncredited. Oh, no kidding. So this is the only movie that literally has her listed as being a costume and wardrobe department. Because she she didn't do a bad job with what she'd been given. Her name is uh, Violet B. Martin. Mm -hmm. And then the guy who who did the guys uh, is named Robert Fuca. And he mostly, he's got like 50 credits. But yeah, I'm seeing a lot of TV stuff. So probably. So he knows how to make his stuff on a budget. Sure. Like he knows how to cut corners. Oh, hey, he worked on, he was uncredited, but he was a set costumer for It Happened at the World's Fair. Ah, interesting. There you go. Okay, all right. Well, is there anything else you'd like to let us know about this uh, this little ditty, Matt? Uh, I did want to mention that this film was at one point being considered as an inclusion in the original Mystery Science Theater 3000 show. Oh, really? Yeah, apparently they, <laughs> so they put out like these guides of like upcoming episodes. In 1992, they had one come out and they this was tentatively listed as going to be featured in episode 416. Right, but I guess that didn't happen? No, in the end, they ended up substituting with a British sci-fi film called Fire Maidens from Outer Space <laughs> from 1956. This is probably a... Or, sorry, Fire Maidens of Outer Space, 1956. Right, 
That's interesting. Which is, and so the last point I'll make is, so if you're wondering about the whole, because obviously National General Pictures doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Neither does National General Corporation. Yeah. So I believe the rights for it are actually currently owned by Warner Brothers. I see. They're the ones who ended up with it. Yeah. And I can actually go off on a small last minute tangent Mm -hmm. that I know that they were part of Warner Brothers because there's a... 1993 French film. It's a film, but it's made up of reused footage. Oh. Okay. Let's get into it. Okay. There's this guy named Michel Hazanavichus. Holy Jesus. He won the Oscar for The Artist. Remember The Artist from 2011? Yeah. Most people shit on that. They go like, I can't believe that one because it swept and maybe it was not deserving they thought. But I still like that movie. I think that movie's great. I really liked that movie. Okay, good. I thought it was great. I'm glad we're on the same page on that. So he made his debut back in 1993. It was him and this guy named Dominique Mézaret. Mm-hmm. They created this project. They actually, this was like the third of like a loose trilogy, but the first two were shorter form things. They were made for TV and this was also made for TV, but this was actually a feature length by which I mean like an hour and 12 minutes, but it's called La Claus Américaine. And what happened was that they happened to have access to the entire Warner Brothers library. Oh, and so they were supposed to do, because I think it was like an anniversary was coming up or something. Yeah. And they were supposed to do some kind of tribute. But instead, they just took oh. the clips and they decided to make a whole new movie using repurposed clips. That is so interesting. You can find this on YouTube. Someone actually has, because the original was obviously because of the copyrights, like it was never officially, it was broadcast once on TV. And then you can't mm. like, it can't be exhibitioned because it's, right you know, because they don't it's... Yeah. But you can find bootlegs and then someone's actually gone to the trouble of re-editing the whole thing using like Blu-ray quality clips from all the movies oh, that were wow. used. So it's like a remastered and it's actually great. And the loose story of it is they use John Wayne. He plays a guy named Georges Abitbol, who is the who is called the, the classiest man in the world. <laughs> and then he the, he dies saying, Mon de Meld, or like shitty world. Oh, no. <laughs> And so, it, and then it becomes a riff on Citizen Kane, where these 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 two journalists are like, "Why did he say that?" Wherever there was his last words, it's it's pretty great. You can tell from the humor there; it's very French, yeah. and it's also very much Michel Zanavichus. Like I could tell, right, that all of it leads from there. That's so interesting. And the here's the coolest coolest part. Okay. So obviously, the whole thing is English movies from Warner Brothers, but yeah. they they dubbed them over in French. Yeah. And they actually got the original professional dubbers for the actors featured oh so when you hear john wayne in the movie talking french it's the guy who would dub john wayne movies officially in in his french yes language that's so interesting and they assembled quite a cast because they're using all these different so you have john wayne interacting with like james stewart and then the two investigators that are trying to figure out what's happening yeah they took all those clips from all the president's men so it's robert redford and dustin hoffman that are like what the heck did he mean by that and they're going to talk to all the people and then they pair them up with Paul Newman from a completely different movie. And I'm going to say, like, considering the way they edit it all together, it still makes a functional narrative. Right. Filled with a bunch of jokes as well. Right. It's kind of like you ever watch bad lip reading? Yeah. They do that where they they would take the clips and they would mute it and then they would try to figure out what it looked like they were saying in French, even though all the dialogue was in English. So if you watch their lips throughout, it's like matching up the words and it's just a bunch of nonsense for a lot of it, but they like made it work into some kind of story. It's a lot of fun. That's really crazy. I would recommend you watching that more than I'd recommend watching Charo. First of all, it's shorter. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And and there's just, it's very, like you can, it's obviously translated in English. And for the most part, it's pretty good. There's a few cultural things that they they change. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's a whole thing. Cool. I just want to, yeah. So wait, oh yeah, why did I bring this up? You're, uh, duh, the most important part, there's clips of Charo used in it. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> it's one of the, the best okay. gags because it's all told through flashbacks because they're using the Citizen Kane narrative where like they interview a new right. person about John Wayne's character and then they, they go back. And so there's a part where they're like, they flashback to John Wayne's character talking about, he's like, let me tell you about this dude who showed up in my hotel room one day. It was really weird. And then they use clips of Charo. He's like, hey, what, what are you doing here? And all of the, the lines they gave to Elvis is just him going, he goes, love me tender, love me true. And then and then John, John Wayne's like, if you don't get out of here, I'm going to kick your ass. And he's like, whatever you do, don't step on my blue suede shoes. And then he exits the scene by just going like, one for the money, two for the show. And, he's, and it goes back to like John Wayne talking about, it. he's like, I don't know what was up with that, but if that guy was looking for trouble, he came to the right place. It's like so stupid, but like that is so crazy. Yes. Oh, jeez. So all that to say, that's how I know that it was Warner Brothers who has the rights to Charo because those were only Warner Brothers clips used in that production. I see. I see. Interesting. It's wild. I think that's probably one of my favorite fun facts that I've learned on this. Uh, oh, podcast. I'm so glad. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's, it's really, really weird and delightful. Yeah, I like. I always love to hear, especially about artists who. You know, they're really kind of like fuck around and find out. They really know how to like, there's certain artists that like they'll take media. They know that they don't own it. They know that they don't have the rights to it. And they're like, fuck you guys. I'm going to make a movie anyway. I love when artists pull shit like that. Mm -hmm. Because that's where you get some of the things where people are at their most creative. Yeah. And he, 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 it's no holds barred. Yeah. He did an interview like a few years back, like talking about the whole process of making this and stuff. And he pretty much learned everything he's taken into his directing career afterwards mm. from that like the pacing of it the way he structures jokes right like he just he got it all from just making this collage movie it's pretty cool it's pretty cool it's pretty freaking cool <laughs> like <laughs> well uh, i think that's a good yeah i think that's it to, to that's really yeah. all i had left so so um thank you guys as always for showing up to our really strange podcast mm -hmm. we're getting back uh, into we the groove so you know it's a little here. And you probably don't know why you're here either, so we appreciate you showing up. <laughs> yeah, we, we haven't really figured if we're going to be returning to a normal schedule yet. We have some things that are up in the air that we'll see. We'll just see what happens. Yes. I doubt that there are thousands of you waiting in droves patiently for us to release on schedule. Don't worry. We're back. We're, we're back. back. And we're here to finish this because, my God, if I don't finish this, I think I might just die, you know, if I had gotten through like 29 hours, this is the 29th. Only to not finish this series, just put a bullet in me because I can't go on. <laughs> We're going to finish it. We are. Okay. We will see you. I'm not going to say next week, but. Not next week. Next time. Yeah. And what are we watching? We're watching The Trouble with Girls. Cool. I'm so looking forward to it. <laughs> Which is maybe the stupidest. <laughs> like well yeah i'll get into it when we get to it next week yeah, but it's we'll really it it's a dumb title they just they didn't know what to call this movie and so they just they pick something they that doesn't to have that that problem with like a lot of these movies. i guess so because we were kind of had that discussion with charlo too <laughs> yeah. like, why do they call it charlo but whatever <laughs> okay all right folks thanks again for joining us and we will see you next time and with that we were gonna say thank, thank you. you thank, thank you very, very much, much.